Well, today's Mother's Day. It's my second Mother's Day this year. <clears throat> None of you have had two Mother's Days this year. But I was in England on March the 31st. And in the 22 years since I left England, it was the first time I had Mother's Day with one of my sons. Mother's Day is not a Hallmark card day. It started in the 1600s in England. You weren't even discovered. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, was the, it was the day when anyone who was serving in these stately homes or whatever were allowed to go back to their mother church on the third Sunday of Lent and celebrate with their family, and it became known as Mothering Sunday. I think it's the only country in the world that has Mothering Sunday on that particular day. So I had a wonderful time with my son and daughter-in-law and two grandchildren in England. That was great. Very different from here. Here is much more commercial. There it's, in the essence, it was much more biblical. <coughs> I know Mother's Day is hard for a lot of you. There are lost dreams there may be lost children. There may be great sorrow, a breakup of a marriage. But the one thing that we can all celebrate is that we all had a mother. Clive's already taken that from me. But, um, <laughs> you know, and whether our mothers were good, whether our mothers were abusive, whether we were adopted... <clears throat> whether we were fostered, whatever our childhood was like, we were given life. And life is a gift that no one else gives us other than our mother. And it really is meant to be Mother's Day. Do you know, it seems to become Wives and Children's Day. But it's Mother's Day, thanking God for our mothers. I had a, an interesting mother, um, quite a character. She was billeted by the land army to go to this town called Halstead in Essex to grow cabbages and other crops for the, for the army. And she got very friendly with the local pastor and his wife, and they had a four-year-old little girl, and then they had a little boy. Great rejoicing. Three or four months later, the mother contracted meningitis, and she died. Well, my mother uh, saw, well, she didn't get involved quite this early. My father, who happened to be the pastor, was very, very impractical. Hadn't a clue how to make a cup of tea, hadn't a clue how to wash a pair of pants, hadn't a clue about anything. He'd relied on his wife. So, actually, God brought together my mum and this guy, Gilbert Kirby, the pastor of this church, and my mother was 20 when she married my father. She took on a five-year-old and a one-year-old as her own. I was born six years later, and I was 16 before I knew my brother and sister weren't my full mum and dad, a uh, brother and sister. That is pretty incredible, isn't it? That we were so loved together, there was no differential between us all. That was a gutsy mum. Clive gave me a card today. 
That looks very like my mum, and increasingly, I'm looking like this mum. <laughs> so scary. I saw a picture of me the other day, and I was convinced it was my mum, and it was me. But <laughs> I don't like that. But Inside, to Ruthie, motherhood is not for sissies. It's so true. Motherhood is tough. Motherhood is challenging. Motherhood pushes the boundaries. You are, all, if you're a woman, chances are you're a mum. I know this may be pandering you so that you feel part of Mother's Day, but to be a woman normally means you have a mother heart. Not always, but normally. And whether you have physically given birth, whether you have spiritually given birth to others who've given their lives to Jesus with and through you, or whether you've given great emotional support and love to someone who needs support. Joyce is doing a tremendous job right now, supporting a girl with cancer. You are mothering her in a way that's so unique and special. Bless you, Joyce. <coughs> and there are many other stories here. Be the mum, be the person God meant you to be. On Mother's Day, I know it's hard. It's hard to think of mothers that are gone, but think of the good memories and praise God that you had a mum who gave birth to you. I've got four children. I was greedy. In fact, <laughs> to be honest, I had to meet Clive when we were dating or engaged at the time. We were at seminary together, and the doctors had just told me it was very unlikely I'd have children. And I remember that moment of saying, Clive, you can get out of this engagement right now if you want to. He's amazing, he took me on, and then he got, as an only child, got lumbered with four kids. That's a bit of a shock. <coughs> but we have our oldest child, who was the most natural child to be a parent. He's not been able to have children. And uh, we went through the journey and the sorrow and the sadness, and then she decided, I'm going to be the best aunt I could be. I'm not going to waste my sorrow. I want to invest in others. And so every month, and she's got six nephews and nieces, four in England, two in America. Every month, she writes an individual card to each one of those kids. And that's expensive, I thought. And uh, just recently, she started meeting with a group of three young teenage girls. All their parents are in Christian ministry. And she says, I know what they're going through, and I want to support them and love them. I want my experience to somehow help them. Took them out to pizza the other day. She, we cannot sit in our sorrow. Do you know the only thing sorrow destroys is us? Because actually most people don't want to know about our sorrow. They run away until you've got through it. And um, yeah, it's painful. Anyway, I'm going to teach you from a very strange couple of verses in scripture. You may not know they even exist. It, I, don't, I wouldn't bother to look at them up. I'll read them to you. Luke 11, 27 and 28 you may think this shouldn't be in scripture, but it is. As Jesus was speaking and a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breasts that nursed you. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Rather strange verse for a woman on her first time speaking in the South which is a very different world from where I've lived, um, would choose. But 
I love this woman who shouted it out. You know, there's, uh, the people have just witnessed Jesus healing someone who could not speak. Someone who had a spirit that stopped them from being able to converse. A mute spirit. And as Jesus prayed for this guy, he was able to speak. And so the religious leaders are all agitated. Who did this? How did it happen? What's this all about? Is this true? Is this right? Is this real? And Jesus is teaching from the word of God about how we need to be freed from those evil spirits that tie us down. And I think the conversation was probably getting a bit tedious, probably a bit theological, a bit male, you know. And the woman yells out, God bless your mother. The woman from which you came and the breasts that nursed you. Let's get some practicality in this situation. You're talking, Jesus, and all these people are like this. But what a mother you must have had to be the man you are. Bless her. Thank God for her. There's something so special that draws this woman to the character of Jesus. She's saying, thank you, God. You know that word bless, we can use so flippantly, can't we? Oh, bless you every time you sneeze, or oh, bless that woman, or uh, blessed nuisance, or it's something we can say glibly, but bless is to holy, it's sacred, it's God's favor is upon you. It's something very special, bless you. When we go to people, let's bless people, not curse them, because people often are tempted to do. Bless the mother of you, Jesus. She must have been some amazing woman. Blessed is the understanding of a woman. God bless your mother. This woman's endorsing Jesus' ministry. And a woman in Christ's day was valued by how successful her kids were. The mother ruled back home. She was the matriarch. And how those kids came out was went right back to the mum. How has she been? You remember back to Mary's encounter with angel Gabriel? Mary immediately burst out, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. It's happening. We're seeing it's happening. Right there as a young, young teenager says, I am blessed. I am blessed to be used by God. But Mary had to pay a price to see God working in her son, to see Jesus, the son of God, grow. We think that jo uh, Joseph probably died certainly before Jesus came into ministry. We don't hear anything of him after um, Jesus was found in the temple at the age of 12. There were other brothers. There were sisters. Mary probably was a single mum for many, many years. Mary had to watch her son come into ministry and she couldn't dictate what happened. She had to release him. Any of us who are parents of people in ministry, we are often on the spectator sport. We aren't allowed to, at times to interfere. We have to watch from the sidelines. Mary had to watch Jesus from the sidelines. She saw the miracles. She saw the wonders, but she also saw how Jesus was harassed, how Jesus was hated and mocked. And above all, she saw Jesus dying on that cross for you and I. It was not all glory and glamour, but it was 
Mary, living in the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. She was indeed blessed. Today, if we, if we have children, or if we're people who really are involved with nephews and nieces, family members, the neighbor next door, those children are so critical. We can't play games with children's lives. Those early days are so important. Some people get on the, suddenly realize how serious raising children are is when they become teenagers. I'm sorry, mate, you're too late. We need to get fully involved in those early years. St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was an early father, what century was he? I wouldn't have a clue. Fourth century, was it? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> I've won. <laughs> 16th century. I was a little out. <laughs> but he founded the Jesuits and he would say, give me a child to the age of seven and I'll give you a man. In other words, those early years are so critical to really feed into our kids what it is that makes us burn. For me, it was to share Jesus with my children, to pray with them, to love them, to have fun. Don't neglect the early years. They're so, so important. Very critical. Don't neglect your children. But also don't indulge them. I, I, I hate being in somewhere like Target and a child starts going, Mommy, I want that! You know, I want that toy! Mummy says, no, you don't need that toy. You don't need that. You've got your birthday next week or Christmas was, you know, two months' time. You don't need it. I need it. Before you know where you are, that child has that toy. That is not how to raise children. Children have to be taught how to, at times, to suffer, to, to uh, be deprived of things. But to know what is true and what is valuable and what is of God. Don't indulge them. Don't neglect them. Don't try and live your unfulfilled dreams through your children. You know, that person who don't long to be a baseball professional and now you've spent every minute trying to make your kid be that baseball professional. Don't do it. Let them become the person they should be. There's a verse in Proverbs that we probably all know, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it. And we often use it to say, if we train them up in the things of God, they will love them, love Jesus in the future. That's part of it. I think also it's so important to find your child's bent. If your child is artistic, don't try and make them be a scientist. If they're musical, don't tell them they've got to be a plumber. What? Who is your child? Know your child. Train them up. Don't neglect. Don't indulge. Love them. Have fun. It's fun being a parent. I like this phrase, your children are a gift from God. How you parent your children is God, your gift to God. Children are a gift from God. How you parent them is your gift to God. It's so important to love on their kids, even when it's really tough. Teach them to know and love Jesus in a very natural way. Mary, it would love to have been a fly on the wall as Mary was raising Jesus. What actually happened? What were their conversations? 
did Jesus always lead it on the spiritual side? Was Mary, <coughs> was it a meeting of the two? I think it's very important to know that we can't take our children further than we've gone ourselves. They may have influence from others who will take them further than you've gone yourselves. But our children see who we really are. They see if our faith is real, if it's authentic, or if it's uh, churchology, we're just going to church for the sake of doing it. Is it fun? Do they see us loving Jesus as something that's fun and positive and ongoing? Do you have fun loving Jesus? Or is it something, oh, we're going to church today. That's the end of this day. Wash that one out. Let's go home and then have fun. Your children know who you are. They know what your faith means to you. And they know how real that is. We are, mothers are so often the stabilizing influence on the, in a family. In, in Israel, in Judaism, it was very much the mother was the matriarch. I love it when you see it's around Thanksgiving or Christmas, you have messages from the military come on the, on the news. And it says, love you, mum, miss you, mum. It's all about mum, poor old dads, what are you up to? Um, but mums are so important. Mums going through hard times are so important. Mums supporting kids with struggles. I sometimes think, you must think, we, having, we have four kids in ministry that we've never had a tough time. We had some very tough times raising our kids. I used to meet with some other mums whose kids were really rebelling in teenage years, and we used to pray for our kids together. We were so exasperated. Jesus, please meet us. Please help us. We need your help. We don't know what to do. This is way beyond us. Be vulnerable as mums, as parents. You haven't got all the answers. I certainly haven't got all the answers. Share your grief and your joys together. I am um, very used, hopeless at uh, doing asides. And it's not something I necessarily plan to do, but I was speaking at this Spring Harvest Conference a, few year, a number of years ago, not a few years ago. And glibly said, if I was married to a non-Christian person who didn't share the faith I had, I would find that the hardest thing to do. And uh, I would said, I would suggest if you're in that situation, find other women who feel the same. And the next year, this woman came up to me. She said, we did what you told us. I thought, what on earth did I tell you to do? <laughs> and she said, there were eight of us in our church, eight women. We got together and prayed every week. So a year later, four of them have made it. At the end of the week, she said, one of them got dragged to spring harvest, and now he's given his life to Jesus. There is fellowship in praying for one another, supporting one another, loving one another, especially other people who are going through similar situations. I have uh, a very special friend back back. I shouldn't say back home. This is home. But uh, in Connecticut, She's feisty. I like feisty people. And uh, she's a worship leader. She's great fun. She's a pastor's kid. And um, she's in her early 40s. And Sarah and her husband had three boys, three little boys. They were about five to nine at the time. And Chris, the husband, 
had an aunt who was a lesbian. And the aunt was with another woman who was a lesbian. And each woman had had a daughter. And they, that, they were a family. I'm not sure if they were married. I think it may have been. No, it may have been. And uh, first one of the girls died. And then the other girl died. What's going to happen to these two young teenagers who will be put into care? My dear friends, Sarah and Chris, took the two girls into their home. <clears throat> and Sarah's just such fun. She's so lovely. She's out there. She's you know, in there. She shouts from the rooftop. She's wonderful. Anyway, there's this family. I was very uh, wary of her doing this, and I, in fact, voiced it to her, as did her mother. But they went ahead. And there was this amazing healing, amazing situation of these two girls with these three boys in a little house that really was tiny. Everything went really well. The, the older one of the girls went off and did her own thing and would come back from time to time. But the younger girl was very, very committed to the family. And then she went to uni. And she seemed to be doing really well. And they got good grades back. And it was going really well for the first year. And the next year, they got the good grades back. And then this girl disappeared. And they found that, actually, she hadn't been at college for at least a year. And the money had been used in other ways. They didn't know where she was, couldn't find her. And then since Christmas, they got a call from this girl saying, you won't want to know me, you won't want to see me, because I have a baby, I'm living with somebody, I wasted your money, I just want to say goodbye. Sarah said, come on, you're not going to do that. Come home, come and see us. Now she's coming every month. Sarah said, what is grace if we don't reach out to her? What is grace if we don't love those who struggle with life, those who wander away? And now Sarah is grandma. And every week they're coming together. Things aren't wonderful, but relationship, yes. Sarah is a woman of grace and a woman of courage. And we, I'm sure there is pain and hurt here from kids that have done things that have broken our hearts. And we ha don't enable. Enabling is a, is a really, really, really dangerous thing to do. But love and pour out grace on those who need it. Blessed is the life surrendered to Jesus. Mary was a young teenager when she welcomed that visit from Gabriel with joy that she was to carry the Son of God. She didn't know what lay ahead, but she knew the angel Gabriel had met her and given her a task so precious and so unique to bear that the Son of God. If you've got teenagers or coming teenagers, realize that so many people God used in scripture were teenagers. So many times, like Jeremiah would say, I'm only a youth. How can I be used? David was a young guy. 
Many, many, many. You can go through scripture. It's person after person. Are we training our children to be bold adults? And it doesn't start when they leave home. It starts when they're with you. Are we giving them opportunities to explore? Uh, I took Vicky to the garbage dump in Cairo when she was 15. Now, you might not think that's the place you normally go for a summer holiday, but uh, <laughs> fascinating place. God really put it on my heart. Expose her to some tough things because the materialism of Britain is just doesn't create values that are honoring to God at times. You're fighting the system. So we went to the garbage dump in Cairo for 10 days. And in the garbage dump in Cairo, the men and the boys go into Cairo, the city, every day with their donkey carts and collect all the garbage, food, wood, cloth, all sorts of things. They bring it back to the village, which is all basically made of garbage, uh, you know, old can, tin, whatever, corrugated iron and uh, wood pallets and all sorts of things. And the smell is very, um, doesn't remind me of Chanel number no. five. It reminds me of some pretty grotty things. But for 10 days as mother and daughter, we hadn't a clue what we were doing. But we learned together that incredible bonding between mum and daughter. And we were able to share with people in their distress and in their pain. And Vicky went on to do all sorts of things. Take your children and work in a food bank. Go and help on a housing project. Help on June the 1st at, on the church project here. Give our children responsibility and opportunities to serve and trust them in it. <coughs> but above all, the most important thing is for our children as teenagers to come and know and love, love you, Lord. I want to show you an extract. Um, you know that recently, for some of you know, that recently Clive and I were in England for celebration of the 40th year of Spring Harvest. Well, on television today, on the BBC, there is a program. Uh, both Clive and Gavin are on it. Uh, we can't see it here because it's restricted by the BBC. But Gavin did post on Facebook this from the BBC. Can I just say, before I say it, I'm a woman who likes the truth. He did not get... Well, I'll tell you at the end. <laughs> His facts aren't quite true. This was like some kind of auntie figure, someone I knew existed but probably didn't like hanging out with. Yeah, okay. Jesus was like some kind of auntie figure, someone I knew existed but probably didn't like hanging out with. And so I just messed around a lot. I, I certainly rebelled as a teenager. I was banned from church at the age of 14 for six months. I remember at the time being delighted because even my mum couldn't make me go. And those teenage years were an interesting time of kicking against the system. And I spent nine months messing around doing all kinds of stupid things until the day after my 18th birthday party. I'd got really close to being in real trouble. I'd been sick a lot during the night due to alcohol poisoning. I woke up the next day, I thought, this is getting silly. There's more to life than this. I tried the hedonism, the other stuff. There's more to life than this. And I surrendered my life to Jesus, knowing that following him was what I was going to do for the rest of my days. He was 11 when he got kicked out of Sunday school. Um, he got kicked out for being mischievous and naughty, not nasty. And his friend who got kicked out with him has never gone to church since, not from that day to now, and we'll blame it all on that day. Look at who the potential of our kids. 
you know, some of our kids who are going to be most used by God are the toughest to raise because there's character and they're prepared to stand for strength and prepared to stand against those who might fight them and, you know, cause difficulties. Gavin went on to be pursued by one of our premier soccer teams when he was a teenager. He was a brilliant goalkeeper, brilliant. And he was one of three boys in his school who were brilliant soccer players. And uh, he was pursued by, if any of you know anything about English Premier, Crystal Palace. But they said he'd have to leave school. And he didn't feel it was right to leave school. Now, I'm amazed he didn't pursue. I really am amazed, because he was soccer crazy. Still is, but not playing so much. And he instead went on to seminary. When he was at seminary, he was manager of the whole seminary soccer teams. And uh, he was out playing uh, one of the matches. And he went to save a brilliant goal, he says it was. And his shoulder, his arm came out of its socket. And he developed what was a chronic, I think there's some level of healing now, but a chronic dislocated shoulder problem on both shoulders. We live in a world where there's an awful lot of prestige in how much your kids achieve, where they become the greatest football players, the greatest baseball player, the greatest trombonist, whatever it is. And our kids are put through rigor, and so often the coach is running our families. We have no family life because our children are forever at this, that, and the other. Ask some questions. Ask some tough questions. Is this going to draw them close to the Lord? Is this the best way for our family to have every minute committed to a sport? If the answer is yes, go for it. But he stood out for me. He developed a chronic dislocated shoulder problem. Praise God he made the right decision. We left it to him. And uh, instead, he went into Christian ministry, and there he was. Um, very proud of him. But the world would say, you are absolute idiots not following that other path. But we know the end story. If he'd followed that other path, <laughs> that career would have lasted a few months, and that would be the end of it. Let's hear God for our children. Let's hear God for ourselves. Let's grow in our walk with God Blessed to be part of God's family. The final bit of that scripture was, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. We can be blessed as mothers. We can go through tough times as mothers. We can have a mixture of everything. But on Mother's Day, it's a good time to ask questions. Where am I in my walk with Jesus? Do I love him? Am I blessed to be part of Saltbox? Am I blessed to be part of the worldwide family of God? Am I praying for my brothers and sisters across the world who are being persecuted just for loving Jesus? There was an item on the BBC News the other day saying that Christians are the most persecuted religious group in the world. There is something wonderful about knowing that we will live together forever in heaven if we know and love Jesus. If our faith is authentic, if our love for our children is authentic, 
and it goes on. Being a parent never stops. That's one thing I learned. I thought it stopped when they left home. No, it doesn't. You're there, there, there till the bitter end or the wonderful end, whatever the end is. Uh, let's pray it's a wonderful end. But are we taking our faith seriously? Do we know Jesus? Have we given our life to him? Do we trust him? Do we know what it is to wake up in the morning and say, hi, Jesus, he's still there. He hasn't gone on a runner. He's with us every step of the way. Mother's Day is a bittersweet day for most people. But it's also a day of saying, thank you, Jesus, for the family you've given me, not just my physical family, but the family of God. May I walk with Jesus to the day I die. May I know him and love him and trust him and realize that whatever I have done cannot stop loving Jesus loving me. There's nothing I can do that would make God love me less and there is nothing I can do that would make him love me more. I am a dearly loved child of the King of Kings. And so are you. Thank you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what, I know some of you, I don't know what your situation is. But we can get so bogged down by the things of this earth. A bit like the woman was getting so bogged down by the discussion going on. And we need to look into the face of Jesus. Do we know him? Do we love him? Have we trusted him with our lives? Do we know that Jesus died for you? If you were the only person who'd ever sinned, Jesus would have died for you. You're that special. And I don't want you to go out today without realizing that it's nothing we do. It's the fact that we say, okay, God, I give up. I surrender my life to you. Will you live and move and breathe through me? I want to be your child living on this earth. I want that my kids will rise up and call me blessed because I've been the mum God wanted me to be. I want us all to live in the power and strength of his Holy Spirit. As you go out into this world this week, may you know that Jesus goes before you. He has made the way clear. He walks with you. He will never let go of you. He loves you so much. And may the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the extravagant love of God plus the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all both now and as you go out into your world this week go in God's strength be the change agents that your world needs bless you all